You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, we consider the gospel text put before us by the Holy Spirit under three categories. Jesus turning water to wine at the wedding at Cana. And we'll consider how Jesus likes marriage, how Jesus likes wine, and how Jesus likes you. But first, Jesus likes marriage. Uh, Jesus, we should know this because Jesus, after all, invented marriage. I mean, it was he who who put Adam to sleep and crafted Eve from his rib and gave them to one another so that the two would become one. But this gift of marriage is always assaulted by the world and by our flesh and by the devil itself. And, and marriage, the, God, the Lord's gift of marriage, is assaulted on two fronts. The first is of the super-spiritual. Those who would claim that marriage is too earthy. This would be something like the monk's of the Middle Ages or the ascetics of the ancient world or even the Catholic Church today which forbids marriage of priests. They would say that marriage is a, is an earthly estate with earthly duties and if you're married you cannot attain to the high spiritual estate that you can when you are single. And they would use Jesus as their chief example. After all, Jesus never had an earthly wife, never had any earthly children. But against this, Jesus decides that the, the context of his very first miracle is this wedding feast. So we say at the beginning of all of our marriage rites, our Lord blessed and honored marriage with his presence and first miracle at Cana in Galilee. Lest we would be tempted to think that somehow the estate of marriage is unholy, or less pure than the estate of chastity and singleness, the Lord goes to this wedding. But marriage is also assaulted from the other side. There is a hedonistic assault on marriage, and this is probably the biggest one. This is the one that makes the headlines. This is the one that pits my own happiness against the Lord's gift of marriage. And it manifests itself in divorce, or in the discussion of two men or two women being married to one another, or or even in the idea of our culture that it is good and right for people to live together before marriage, like marriage is like buying a car, that you have to take it on a test drive or something horrible like that. And, And this whole assault is because marriage is supposed to make me happy. I've heard this before. Uh, especially when the devil is, is tempting a couple with divorce, and the uh, the justification of it is, well, pastor, doesn't the Lord want me to be happy? And the answer is, the sixth commandment comes before the ninth and the tenth commandment. In other words, we find happiness not by breaking the Lord's commandments, but by living according to them. And if you're married, you know this. The Lord wants you to be married Jesus likes marriage. And we see in the text that Jesus likes wine. 
I don't know if I've ever preached about wine before. We'll try it and see how it goes. (laughs) Wine is another gift of the Lord, like marriage. And it's assaulted, like marriage and every gift of the Lord, by the world, by the flesh, and by the devil. And it also is assaulted on two fronts, just like marriage. There is the super-spiritual attack on wine, which would say that any drinking at all should be forbidden. (laughs) I think G.K. Chesterton, I don't remember if this is G.K. Chesterton or not, but I think it was, and it sounds like something he would say anyways. G.K. Chesterton said that if Mohammed would have shown up at the wedding at Cana, he would have turned the wine into water. (laughs) And that is the tendency of the super-spiritual, to forbid drinking at all. Some of you... Uh, have friends or family that might be members of churches that forbid drinking altogether as if it's too, again, too earthly or too human or too dangerous. Jesus does not see it as a danger. In fact, the amount of wine that Jesus made at the wedding at Cana would have been enough to supply the village for months. They wouldn't have had to go to Costco at all to fill up the wine cabinet. And remember, it was good wine. More about that later. But there was an assault on, there's an assault on wine on the other side as well, and that's also the hedonistic assault on wine, and that is drunkenness. Now, all over the scripture, drunkenness is prohibited and sobriety is commanded. I I spent a lot of time, in fact, a couple of years trying to sort out what commandment forbids drunkenness. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. When, 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 normally when you ask people about that, they'll say the fifth commandment because they understand that drunkenness does us physical harm. And that's true, but that's not enough. I, in fact, don't think that there's a singular commandment that forbids drunkenness, but rather, drunkenness is forbidden by the law in general. Because what drunkenness does, if it's through alcohol, through wine, or through beer, by the way, we should include beer in the Lord's gift of wine as well. They just didn't have a word for it. But it's there, I'm sure. But you see, the, the problem with drunkenness of alcohol or, or, or drug use or anything that would affect our sobriety is that it deadens our conscience. You have a conscience, and one of its functions is that it prevents your sinful flesh from running away with itself. It, it, it's a restrainer. It holds you back in some ways. But when you are drunk, that restraint is gone. So that the thing that you would never even imagine doing when you're sober, you do when you're drunk. Now, now I think, and this is my own, I should step next to the pulpit to say this, because this is my own opinion, and I, and I don't have scripture for this. But I think this is one of the reasons why the devil especially tempts young people with drunkenness. Because one of the things that hardens our conscience is sinning over time. But the Lord's young people just haven't had enough time to sin enough to harden their conscience so that if the devil can get them drunk or high, he can tempt them to do things that they never would do otherwise. So all of us have a sinful flesh that has a proclivity one way or another. Maybe we're tempted to violence or we're tempted to lust or we're tempted to greed or we're tempted to blasphemy. But our conscience is normally keeping a lid on that. But when we're drunk, that's gone. So there's no excuse for drunkenness. It opens the door to all sorts of sin. And sobriety is commanded of the Lord's people for the sake of your prayers, for the sake of your love, for the neighbor, and for the sake of conscience.
Jesus likes wine. Now the third thing. And this is the point. Jesus likes you. This text, this first miracle, is unique in the scripture. Even the way that it's written and the way that it's described is unique among all the other accounts. There's there's almost a, 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 a pressing and glowing detail about the text. And what it reminds me of is this. You know how, and I ask this question all the time whenever I meet couples, and you ask the question, this is the same question too. You ask the question, well, tell me about the first time that you met. And that's an amazing question. Because every couple, husband and wife, or if they're engaged, every couple can tell you about the first time that they met, the first time that their eyes saw each other. Now, for some couples, they remember different stories, but they remember it nonetheless. And they, and they tell it to you with such lively and profound detail. There's stuff, such life in that story. Even if it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that's, it was almost like that happened just yesterday. The, the first time a couple meets and, and that spark flies. Now that kind of thing, that kind of detail and excitement is what we read in this text. And John tells it to us that that's what happened. That this is the day, this is the moment that the disciples first believed in Jesus. So it's not the, uh, the question, tell me when you first met Jesus. That would have been, by the way, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. John the, uh, uh, the apostle and the evangelist who wrote the gospel of John was a disciple of John the Baptist before he was a disciple of Jesus. And John the Baptist told him to go and follow Jesus. So the first time that John would have met Jesus would have been when Jesus was baptized by John, if not earlier, in the same family. But... The first time they believed. Tell me, John, the first time you believed. And he would say, I remember it like it was yesterday. We went to Cana and there was a wedding. And they ran out of wine. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, what is that to me, woman? My hour is not yet come. And Mary completely ignores him and tells the servants, do whatever he says. And John can remember it, the servants bringing the, the, the water jugs to Jesus. He even remembers that they filled them up to the brim. And that Jesus now says, take some from the water and bring it to the master of the, of the feast. And he brings it to him. And then John remembers the conversation. His eyes must have been as wide as saucers. As he watched the master drink what he thought was water. And now it's wine. And he goes to the bridegroom to rebuke him. Everyone puts the good wine out first. And then after the people can't taste it anymore, they put out the cheap stuff. But you've saved the best until the last. And you can believe that every time the Apostle John would have gone to a wedding, he would have remembered this day. Every time the Apostle John would have taken a glass of wine with dinner, I I wonder this sometimes, if he would have tasted it to compare. (laughs) Not as good. He would remember this day. Every time the Apostle John would see a jug of water, He would remember this day that he first saw the glory of Jesus 
manifest. The one who turns water to wine. The one who turns death to life. The one who turns sin into righteousness. The one who is God on high and yet sinks himself into your flesh, into your sin, into your suffering, and into your grave so that he could give you his joy and his peace and the forgiveness of all of your sins. Oh, John remembered. And he wrote it down for you. So that hearing you, dear saints, would believe in Jesus and have life in his name. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.